It's amazing to be back. It's good to be here. And they said, don't fall into the baptismal pool. I was like, that would make, that would make a great YouTube video. Uh, and I hope to not do that while I'm up here. But it's good to be back. Uh, this time my wife is with me, uh, Lindsay Mahawan, right here. Let's give her a hand. Uh, last time I got to show pictures, uh, but uh, this time we came with my two beautiful daughters, uh, Sierra and Lila. And it's good to be here. And this is my second time speaking here on stage. So last time I was really nervous. This time I'm still nervous, but I feel a bit more uh, comfortable and at home here this time. So uh, you guys can relax, uh, relax because I'm a bit more relaxed and you're with family, you're at home. And the weather is really nice. This time, I can't, this time, last time was a bit cold. Um, but I'm so excited uh, for the season that God has for the church, uh, the universal church, but also for this church here. I know this, uh, the church is coming up in a new season here, and I'm so excited for you guys. And, and I encourage you to not only just uh, be a part of the church, but also uh, to begin serving and helping out in any way you can, because we're all better together. Amen? And we're all... We're all born for such a time as this. And I want to encourage you just right before I get in is that uh, if you have air in your lungs and you're breathing today, God has a plan and he has a purpose for you. God sent his son to take your place on the cross, to redeem you, to put a Holy Spirit in you so that way you, you, you can, uh, so that way you can do great and mighty things for God. So don't let anybody tell you any different. You're not just a sinner saved by grace, but you're a son and daughter of God that have been welcomed home to the Father. Amen? Amen. So we can walk with a little swag, they say. Um, so today, I want to leave you uh, with a little encouragement and challenge. And I've titled today's message to be Nets and Boats, okay? Not nuts and bolts, but nets and boats. And I'm, I'm going to uh, read the passage in Luke chapter 5. And if you haven't read your Bible yet, it's going to be a big passage. So you'll get your Bible reading in for the week uh, this Sunday. And I re- really pray that God uh, speaks to you this morning uh, through his word. Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, so uh, the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water, so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Verse 5, Master, Simon replied, like any of us would if we had a hard night at work. We worked all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Some translations say, at your word. And this time, their their, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners to the other boats, uh, their, their partners in the other boats, and soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that, had, that they had caught. And as 
were the others that were with him. His partners, James and John and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. For now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your grace. I pray, Holy Spirit, anoint me to minister your word this morning. Prepare our hearts to receive in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. So, um... Something that you'll know about me is that I do not like uh, surprises, right? I don't like surprises. And when it comes to surprises, I, I, I especially don't like a surprise when I know it's coming. Like, for, for example, Christmas, right? Christmas. I am proud to say since the age of 12, I have every year, I always know what I'm going to get for Christmas beforehand. Uh, it is my mission by the month of November to figure out what I am going to get for Christmas because it drives me crazy. The anxiety, the endless anticipation of like, what is it going to be? I can't, I can't handle it. And so for Christmas, you know, and as through, and through as the years develop, my, my schemes also de- developed on how I would find out the uh, gift that is under the Christmas tree. It was my parents, uh, it, it, it was my parents' uh, challenge, personal challenge, to keep the secret. Um, but they, they had failed since the age of 12. I always knew. Um, waiting for the mail. You know, when is it going to arrive? What time? Is it always oh, going to arrive in the afternoon? But when? You know, afternoon's a long time. It's about a four-hour span. And, and, and so I, 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 I would uh, hate waiting. And, and I don't like online shopping because I like to see it. I like to grab it, touch it, look at it if I like it. Uh, go to the cashier, buy it, and take it home. I don't like Amazon shopping because it's just looking at pictures online and then ordering it. And then after that, it says it's in transit. But what does that mean? Is it on a plane from China? Is it on the back of a motorbike somewhere? Or where, where, where is in transit, right? And so, and so I'm the same with finding a wife, too. I didn't shop for a wife online. I, I like to look at it, you know. And... So, so no online shopping for me, uh, whether it's a t-shirt or a wife, you know. Uh, but on the opposite end, I love surprising other people. I love buying gifts for people. I love uh, providing opportunities that pe- for, for people that they didn't think they, they could, could get. I like opening doors for people. Um, and, and that's the good side of things. And on the bad side of things, I also like to scare people and spook people. And so if, uh, if, and I just recently found out that my daughter also loves the same, to do the same thing. You know, it's, it's a gene thing, I guess. And, and I remember, so I grew up in Thailand in the children's home. And how the children's home was set up was on one side was the boys' uh, home. And then 500 yards on the other side, it was the girls' home. And so, and all the adults and everybody grown up would know why that's the case, right? And so, and they're on the opposite side of the property. But once a year during Christmas time, uh, they, they, we, we would mix in a lot and we would do a lot of games and activities and dinners and, and stuff like that and late nights together at the bonfire. And so, while everybody's having fun, one year I had this idea. As the girls are walking home, I thought it would be great to just scare them. You know, and, and, and then it just brought me so much joy to think of what could happen. 
and, and so I would sit in the bush. No, this is Thailand, so snakes could be in the bush. I would sit there, and it had to be early enough. I couldn't just, like, disappear because everybody knows I'm up to something if I disappear. So I'll sit in the bush in the dark. This was before you had a phone. This is how dedicated I was. I had nothing to do except for just imagining the moment, right? And I'm just sitting there in the bush, like... Just waiting for hours until these girls would come by, a group of five or six of them, giggling, not knowing what's about to happen. And then there's me jumping out and then scaring them. Ah! And then and then all oh, the screams, you know, the screams. And then I'm like, yes. And then the next year, I would do the same thing. The only thing would be it would get more elaborate every year. And I lived for that, you know, and then Halloween ro- rolls around and, you know, they got all the spooky stuff and I'm buying the mask for Christmas time to scare these girls. And, and, and you know, and it just grew, the, the, uh, the scare just grew bigger and bigger and I just loved it so much, you know, just surprising uh, people. And just as I like to surprise people, I kind of find, as I grow and as I, I get older, I realize God loves surprising people too. He does. He loves surprising people because he's committed to getting your attention. And that's ultimately what a surprise does, right? It's, it gets your attention. You're focused on something, but then all of a, something else, and all of a sudden something happens, and the surprise draws your attention to focus and figure out what is going on. And to prove to you through the Bible, Jesus loves surprises too. I mean, how he arrived on earth was a surprise. There's Mary dreaming about her, her wedding, her wedding day. She's telling Joseph, nothing could go wrong. We're going to have a beautiful wedding, Joseph. We're going to have, have a neutral palette color for everyone to dress up in. Uh, we're not going to wear shoes. It's just a really chill thing. It's going to be unique. Everybody does it, but it's unique. And... And it's just going to be beautiful, Joseph. Nothing could go wrong. Then an angel arrives. Surprise, you're pregnant. And everybody is going to judge you because I'm not going to tell anybody else except for Joseph. And everybody's going to be judging that you're messing around. Surprise. And by the way, no more wedding. You'll just be riding on a donkey on the way to Bethlehem. Not even a horse, you know, could have been a little upgrade. It's the savior of the world after all. But it's like, surprise. And then when he dies, right? When Jesus dies and rises from the dead. And then, you know, and then he tells the disciples to go wait in a room. He could have entered that room anyway. Right? He could have knocked on the door. He could have showed up in the room, you know, or like have a glow that shows up. At least warns everybody that he's coming. But what, what does he do? He chooses the spookiest way to enter the room. Right? He steps through the wall, which is the creepiest way you could ever enter. Right? Because those guys don't know he's alive. They're just waiting to see. And so, which is why I'm, that's my, theologic, uh, my theology, my proof uh, that Jesus do, does love surprises. And he surprises me by the way he picks, uh, by who he picks. You know, even for me, I got up this morning and looked in the mirror. And one, just I was amazed by how handsome I was. And (laughs) no, I was amazed by how he would, that 
amazed by that he would call someone like me to do all the things that he's calling me to do right now. And I look at people serving God all around me. There's some weird people serving God. You know that? (laughs) And then, but their life has fruit. And it's amazing. It surprises me because in our minds, we have a qualification of who's, who's qualified to serve and who's qualified not to serve. And, and, and I understand how those structures and stuff is good and, and has its place. But sometimes the people that God picks, it doesn't make sense to us. And a newsflash, I don't know if you noticed, but nobody in the Bible that God picked was like, yes, he picked me. Right? Everybody questioned God's judgment and God's decision. Everyone felt unqualified. Everyone felt like that God got the wrong guy and he should have picked another person. Because the people that God picks never make sense. And we always feel inadequate when he does. And it's because in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27... It says, instead, God shows the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Verse 28, God chose things that dis- things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. 29, as a result, this is the purpose of that. No one can ever boast in the presence of God. If you feel inadequate, if you feel like you're not enough, I'm here this morning, and you're confused, wondering, why did God choose me? It's because you can't do it by yourself. See, a lot of times our mistakes is that we, we make plans for our lives, and we make plans for God, right? And then we do it within our capabilities, But that's not God's plan because there's always a God factor in God's plan. So whatever plan he has for your life is beyond anything you can think, dream, or imagine because that's where God dwells. So he wants to take take your life from your limitations and, 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 and grow your life to, to, to a point where, where, where you begin to see God, God uh, possibilities in your life. And it surprises me where Jesus goes to find his disciples. So when God, in Luke chapter 5, we saw Jesus is looking for some disciples. And what surprises me is he didn't go to seminary. What surprises me is he didn't go to Bible school. He didn't go to the synagogue. You know where he went? He went to the beach. That's my kind of Jesus, right? He went to the beach. He went to the beach, and, and, and the Bible says that, that Peter was on the edge of the water. So my first point, on the edge. He was looking at the crowd, and he saw, the, he saw these fishermen on the edge of the water. They were on the edge physically, but they were also on the edge spiritually also. They were on the edge of their purpose and destiny They were about to transition their life from being fishermen to being fishers of men. But they did not know. They were on the edge of a moment of their life that it could change forever. Some of you might have come to church this morning thinking it's just a normal Sunday. But you could be on the edge of a new season in life. 
And you maybe can anticipate it some too because things are shifting around in your life and it's beyond your control. And you're on the edge of something new in your life. And so Jesus was preaching and the crowd was listening. However, the fishermen were just frustrated, right? They're just washing the nets on the side there. They're kind of half listening to what he's saying. They're upset. They're frustrated. And it's interesting to me. I just want to encourage you. Maybe you're frustrated in life because like, you had a plan and things aren't working out the way that you thought. There's nothing more frustrating than, than knowing knowing uh, what to do and knowing how to produce something and it not working out, right? It's like that moment where you're on a computer when you finally need something to work, but it doesn't work, but you know how to make it work. And that's the way Peter and them were. They knew how to fish. They were fishermen. They were professionals at their profession. And as a result, they couldn't catch anything. They're just frustrated. But their frustration isn't, I believe it wasn't because of their lack of ability, but it's because God's moving things around in their life and it's frustrating them. Because sometimes the frustration in your life, this is my point with this, is that it's an invitation to enter a new season in life. And we're trying to keep hold of the old thing when God's trying to introduce a new thing into our life. So they're on the edge And the other observation that I have in this passage is that Jesus steps into the boat. As they're frustrated, Jesus steps into the boat. He didn't ask permission, by the way. That's that's the part. You know, how rude. You know, he didn't ask permission to enter into the boat. It just says that Jesus saw the boat, saw the fishermen, and then he stepped into it. Isn't that like God to make himself available to you? But then, like God, Jesus then asked a favor of Peter. Right? He steps into the boat without asking. And then Jesus is just feeling a little bit entitled because he's the son of God. And it's like, hey, Peter, push me into the water a little bit so I can use your boat. Didn't ask permission. Now he's asking a favor. How would you respond to God or to a man that enters into your life without asking permission, then feels entitled to ask you for a favor at a very bad time? He's frustrated. He's washing the nets. He's, he, he's, he's, he's wondering why his efforts didn't work out. And, and I want you to notice and focus on this moment because like how Peter responds to Jesus He's free to respond in any way he wants. How, Jesus respond, uh, how Peter responds to Jesus would determine the trajectory of the way of the rest of his life. How he responds to, to, to Jesus would determine how the rest of his life will go. There are moments in each and every one of our life that is a defining moment. And it will determine the direction that our life will be headed. If Peter had the audacity, right, <laughs> like some of us would, like, hey, bro, you know, the older I get, the more confident I get at confrontations, you know, be like, this isn't convenient for me, you know. Like, Peter could be like, hey, bro, I don't know you. You don't have this place in my life. You know, I've had a hard night, you know, respectfully. I know you're talking and speaking and all that, but that stuff has nothing to do with me. So could you just please just step out of my boat, you know, and then go preach somewhere else. 
right? He had the right to do that. He could do that. But Peter would have missed out on the biggest miracle of his life and the biggest internship and the best internship that any of us are coveting if we had that opportunity. He would have missed out on all of that because Jesus stepped into his boat and asked inconveniently for a favor. Jesus is in some of our boats today. And he's here and asking you of something. Could he move the boat himself? I think so. You know, he could have stepped in and then pushed off a little bit without asking. I mean, he was rude enough to not even ask, you know, so, you know, he could just push it off himself. And so he could have, but Jesus asked. And that's the way that God is. He'll come into each and every one of our life. And he's in our boat. And for some of you, God's been asking you to do something for a long time. And that's my question this morning is, can he use your boat? Can he use your life? Can he use your social media? Can he use your business? Can he use your hobbies? Right? Can he use... Whatever it is in your life, can he be in that boat? And can he ask you of something? Like, I like to play ball, uh, football, uh, otherwise known as soccer, but I'll refer to it as football since I have the mic and I'm right. Um, <laughs> is that, so every Sunday night after church, I, I, I like to go play fo- football. And it's a scrimmage game. And, 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 you know, I've been serving, I've been talking to people, and I just want a little bit of a personal time. But that's a boat. I'm there. There's people that are unbelievers there. There's people that need Jesus there. And that's the question that I ask myself. Can, can Jesus use my boat there? Where, am, I, am I big enough to open up my life to accommodate someone? Yes, it's inconvenient. To accommodate someone, yes, it's extra. But can I let God use my boat? To share the love of God to, certain, to those that are around me. And so, I'm telling you, if you would just let God not only be in your boat, but ask you of a favor to use your boat. If you would let him do that, you would begin to see God's blessing and favor and presence in your life like never before. Because all a boat is, right, all a boat is, is a vessel that floats in an environment that everything else is sinking. That's all a boat is. So can our lives as people at MEFC, as people of the church, be boats in this world where where we're floating in an environment that everything else is sinking? Can we be, 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 be floating uh, in a situation that people begin to see and be like, hey, why are you floating? And then you'll be like, because it's got Jesus 
Because I got Jesus in my boat. It's not by my might. It's not by my strength. But it's because I have Jesus in my boat. How can you have peace in the middle of a pandemic and not have fear? It's because I have Jesus in my boat. How can you be? Uh, how, how can you have cancer yet have joy? It's because I have Jesus in my boat. I have Jesus in my boat. And I can float. In an environment that everybody else is sinking in. That's what sets us apart. Aren't you scared of the economy? No, because I have Jesus in my boat. I don't live by fear. I live in Christ and trust in Him. And I know no matter how the economy ends up, I will be good. So I'm going to stay true to the principles that God has put in me and through his word and live life through his word in season and out of season and every time. Because I have Jesus in my boat. So at this point, Peter is in the boat. Jesus is preaching. He's got Peter captivated. He can't go anywhere. Peter's probably sitting there like shaking his head like, man, when this guy... This guy, when is he going to be done? You know? But he's got him captivated. As he's preaching, Jesus is throwing out the net to the crowd. But at the same time, he's throwing out the net to Peter. And the only reason, if you're in the season of lack, I want to encourage you this morning. The only reason why... Jesus could come into Peter's boat was because it was empty in the first place. Because he tried the whole night before. Imagine if he got, a, got fish, right? And he's washing his nets, the fish is in the boat. Jesus said, hey, can I come use your boat? And you'll be like, no, you can't use my boat. The fish, I got fish to go sell. I got a family to feed. I, I've got a house to pay for. I've got a donkey loan that I got to pay for. And, 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 and it's really, like, I can't. Like, I want to, sincerely, I want to, but I can't let you ask this of me. But the reason why there was space for Jesus was because he couldn't catch any fish the night before. And then, after Jesus was done preaching to the crowd, he now turns to Peter to minister to him. Peter's in the boat. He's caught by Jesus. And then he tells Peter, hey, Peter, can you go out to the deep and cast the net out? Which, by the way, is the opposite of everything that Peter knows. It's in the middle of the day. They were fishing at night for a reason. And when they fish at night, I was researching this, and, and as they fish in the night, usually they, they, they fish in the shallow because that's where the fish comes out to feed. And so Jesus is not only saying, hey, let's fish in the middle of the day. He's also asking him to fish in the opposite area of where they usually fish. And it's the opposite of everything Peter knows. And every time God asks you to do something, this is what you have to understand is that it never makes sense. It never makes sense. Just like planning a church in the middle of COVID, it does not make sense. 
I read a lot of books about church planning, and none of them was worth two cents during the pandemic because it doesn't make sense. And so Peter's there, and I love this moment. And if I could ask the band to come up, that would be great. I love this moment because Peter wasn't full of faith. And you may be standing, uh, sitting here this morning, and you may be wondering, like, like, well, I don't have faith like you, Sean. Like, you grew up as a missionary, you're a pastor. We all come up with excuses. I mean, some of you Midland hires and Dow hires, I was envious of you as I was growing up coming here. You know, I'm like, they get to go to normal school? I was homeschooled. I was first in my class because all there was was my brother and I. Like, that was an insecurity of mine. We all have insecurities and doubts in our, our, our life on how we're brought up. We're not born in that family. We're not born in that neighborhood. We're, we're like, it all comes. And the truth is, God is okay with your doubts. And you can be honest with him. Because Peter turned to Jesus as he requested this. And he's like, you know what, Jesus? This doesn't make sense. We've been doing this all night. We've been working hard all night and caught nothing. But that's your word. Or because you say so, I'll cast a net. See, it doesn't have to make sense. And you don't have to be confident in doing what God is telling you to do. What matters, matters most, most is being obedient to what he says. And as long as we're obedient, even though we're like, I don't feel good about this. I don't like this. Even though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to just do it. Because you said so. Because that's ultimately all we need, right? Is if he says it, then I believe it. If he says it, then I'll follow through with it. So Peter obeyed even though it didn't make sense. And maybe he probably didn't want to. Because why? He had just washed the nets, guys. <laughs> he had just washed the nets. They're clean now. He's going to make it all dirty. You see how many inconvenient moments there are that Jesus created in Peter's life in just like 10 verses? Then all of a sudden, Peter has the catch of a lifetime. It's the largest catch of his life. Because all of a sudden, things started going chaotic. Like, how many fish would it take to fill the nets before the net starts breaking? How many fish would it take to come into your net before you as a fisherman start screaming for help and be like, hey, get over here quick. How many fish would it take to fill your boat before it starts sinking in the water? So, so they get back to shore. And, and what this is the part that shocks me most is that Peter's reaction because if it was you, if it was me, I'll be like, this is amazing. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Let, Jesus, let's take a selfie of this moment. You know, boats in the back. Everybody say, cheese. You know, we'll, we'll be taking selfies and we'll be posting about it. But that's not what Peter did. He didn't even thank Jesus. 
Instead, what he does is he looks at the boat. Then he looks at Jesus. And he looks at the boat again. And then he looks at Jesus. And all of a sudden, he has a revelation. Because up until this moment, he knew Jesus to be a rabbi, to be a teacher. But for the first time in his life, he all of a sudden realized that this was no ordinary man. That this was God in the flesh. And then he says, please leave me. Depart from me, Lord. I'm like, why? You should be celebrating. God is good. Hallelujah. But it's because all of a sudden, Peter's, Peter realized that if this man, this God can see into the depths of the sea, then I know he can see into the depths of my soul. And he knows who I truly am. And what my true motivations are. So he's saying, Jesus, leave me. No, no, don't, don't come near me. I'm not worthy. That's how some of us are this morning. And how some of us live our life when it comes to, with Jesus. It's where we enter into the presence of God. We encounter him. He becomes more real in our life. And the moment he asks us to do something, we run. We run. And we say, we're not worthy. Just like Peter did. And I'm here this morning to encourage you and say, God doesn't want you to run away. He knows you better than anyone else and more than you know yourself. And yes, he sees the flaws in your life. But he also sees the potential in your life. Because I'm sure... Maybe if Jesus was in that moment and Peter, and Peter was like, depart from me, Lord, I'm not worthy. I think what Jesus would have said is, if he said something, was like, yeah, I see you, Peter. I see your flaws. I know you'll deny me three times on the day that I need you most. But I also see on the day of Pentecost, when my spirit comes upon you and you open your mouth, 3,000 people will believe and come to the kingdom. I also see you traveling around the world and being a missionary and preaching the gospel. I see you doing great and mighty things, even greater things than I do. You don't even have to touch people. Your shadows touch people and they get healed. Some of you have been holding back Jesus in your life. Jesus this morning is saying, stop and follow me. Because what, what would make a fisherman depart from the greatest catch of his life, depart from his business, depart from his boat, and follow Jesus? It's the love of a Savior that not only sees your flaws, but sees the potential of what he can do in you and through you. So as we seek him and grow in him, let God use your boat, let God use your life to share the gospel. Open up. I, I am a propagator that I would do anything but sin to get people to know Jesus. I will pay for people's ways to things. 
I'll open up my house. I'll, I'll take car rides. I'll, I'll open up my family. Everything in my life, everything in your life should be a tool to minister the gospel. Let God use your boat this morning. Because the very thing that you may be ashamed of this moment could be a boat that could save others in the future. Where you could be like, well, I've gone through the same things. I've, I've experienced the same experiences. So let me help you. Because I got Jesus in my boat. That's the only reason why I'm floating right now. So if you could stand this morning, I'd love to pray for you guys. Thank you for coming this morning. It's been such an honor to minister the word with you and share. And I pray that you are blessed by it. And that you could understand my accent if I have any this morning. So let me pray for you guys. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that we have to, minister, uh, to, to worship you and hear about you and learn more about you. But let this word not only just fall this morning, but let it begin to grow and bloom in our life. Jesus, we welcome you into our boat and we ask you to use our boat, not just on Sundays, but for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and so on. We want to be a boat, a vessel that floats in an environment where everything else is sinking. There's no greater time than now to be a light in the world. We thank you, Jesus, for your grace for your word and your sacrifice. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen.